Fun fact about Claire. Recently, when she visited Brisbane, we took the kids to the park. And and when we were at the park, Frida decided to do a massive turd in her undies. And then chaos ensued and Claire scooped Frida and had to run run her through the very busy fancy restaurant with shit absolutely everywhere. As we, it, it was, was everywhere. everywhere. Can I just paint a picture? It was like running down her legs. It was. I went to the airport the next morning very, very early and I looked down at my shoe and I was like, what is that? It's a huge blob of poo Amazing. on my shoe. So good. <laughs> noticed in the chaos. And then we were leaving. So like we went and finished our drinks. We're like, we better go. Come on. Like, Frida obviously needs a shower. We noticed that the, the playground was... And I'd forgotten about it at this point. I'm just like, let's yeah. go home. The playground was closed <laughs> and you could hear one lady being like, don't let any kids in here. And there were like three people trying to clean it up. We're like, bye. Hello and welcome to Good Sheilers, the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes us all tick. I'm Bron, a comedian. And I'm Claire, a human rights lawyer. And we're longtime friends, short-time mums and lifetime dickheads. Each episode we tackle something in the media as well as something in life that, that has kicked us in the guts. So strap yourselves in, mongrels, and get ready for Good Sheilers! Mate! Hello, mate. How Season are you? Season three. Season three. Oh, yes, season, We're back. Oh, yeah, season three, yeah. We're back. Just, do you know what episode it is in total? Uh, no. Good. <laughs> no idea. I can no, make it up. Seventy-seven. I think Whoa. I think we probably no, I made that up. Um <laughs> I think but, we probably have had at least thirty, but not more than forty-five. A lot of time. So specific. Mm, Okay. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there are many. And we've had, there has been a bit of a break, but we're going to cover that today. So what I'm going to put a, do a general outlay of what today is going to um, include. We're going to talk Mm. about uh, Instagram posts that we made that caused a lot of people to be quite, um, uh, feel very validated and it made a few people quite cranky and I think it's mm. important that the, that rea- both reactions are important uh, and then we're going to talk about the fourth wave of feminism uh, what does feminism mean to you is there a right way is there a wa- wrong way has have we outgrown some uh, and are we looking at feminism in uh, with a kind of a bit of a like social media lens now mm. and lastly we're going to talk about priorities where are your priorities and are they exactly where they should be or where you want them to be and how do we sabotage ourselves I mean why is it that I woke up yesterday and I was like right I'm going to be a lady of of productivity and I actually ended up eating um a a family-sized burger Family-sized burger. Why did I do that? Well, Who? that was the long. It was a very big burger. It was gigantic. It was a mozzarella burger. It was so good. But I, you know, that is not the same as productivity. No, no, no. Oh, but maybe that is. I don't and know. This is a great, great conversation. Today. That is what we will talk about today. Yes. Don't talk about it yet. Okay, not yet. Don't spoil it. <laughs> okay. First, we're going to uh, talk about how. Um, we made a post on Instagram recently about 
uh, how when uh, a woman takes her kids out, everyone's like, oh, yeah, she's just doing what she's supposed to be doing. But when a man takes his kids out, they're kind of seen as like a hero. Like, what yeah. a great person. And one of, uh, I actually experienced last night, um, uh, one of Lucas's mates came over and he was saying that he loves taking his three kids to the supermarket because they people treat him like a celebrity they were his words oh my god such a low bar (laughs) yeah and he he said it's always older women who will say wow you are so amazing you can hear my kids now that's because their incredible father is parenting (laughs) them um but yeah, so it's but it and, and it's interesting that he that these I guess it's the women who are speaking to him with such kind of praise is because mm. they didn't experience that maybe in that generation generations yeah. have changed, but um, I guess that kind of aftertaste of the huge gender inequality kind of remains and we mm. they still are reaping the benefits of any kind of compliments that come with that. Mm. Um, so tell me, Claire, what. What? How was this? How did was this? I oh, know. I'm so sorry. How was this? So how was this Instagram? Get away from me right now. How was this Instagram pic received? So we had it was a you know it was a um, by an artist. Um, we didn't we didn't create the content. We shared the content, um, and um, a lot of people um, liked it, reshared it. It really 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 resonated for people. I think because it was so such an important reflection on the way that we relate to each other and how we look at ourselves like you know the the really interesting thing about it is like you have you're looking at these pictures and you know jump on our instagram have a look you have a really visceral reaction to it because it's such an uncomfortable contrast and like oh look it's a fun dad and oh it's just a normal mom um and so um there were a couple of men that jumped on and commented and they were really angry and really aggrieved and they were like this is this isn't you know this is this is not my experience this is not you know I, i i am not this dad and this, it was really interesting for us because often, you know, when something, when you post something that kind of criticizes the way that we act, the way that we behave and the way that we respond to each other, people take it really personally. And gosh, like I do it too. Everyone does it. You say yeah. something and you're like, why are you being so mean to me? Mm. And when it's not, it's about the systems and structures that create, you know, um, our society and that's what we're criticizing. Yeah. And, Hashtag um, not all men. Yes, exactly. But they, you know, they took it, they took it deeply personally. They felt we were directly criticizing them. And I guess if, if that was your response, you're the problem. (laughs) Like if, yes, if you are, if you are kind of contributing equally in your household and you're parenting your children as you should, excellent. Good for you. You are doing the base of what we should expect from each other in, you know, like as a you know obviously you should be grateful as a couple you know for what you both contribute but it should just be you know it's the bare minimum good good on you for doing the bare minimum we're not going to give you a round of applause if you think that you're entitled to that round of applause for doing the bare minimum well guess what mate like you are part of the issue you are part of the problem because you are perpetuating this idea that doing the bare minimum is something that we should pat you pat you on the back for and that doing all of the work is a woman's job and you stepping in is doing something extraordinary um, I think that yeah. they, I don't necessarily think that these blokes ne- want a round of applause. I don't. I just think that they're oblivious to the fact that they get it and women don't. I think yeah. that that's the thing. They're like, well, I do this all the time, and sure, I get a few comments every now and then, but that's 
why do we have to bring us down for that? And it's like, well, no, we're not saying that. It's just, it, so for example, the thing, I, the fun fact at the start of Frida doing a poo in the playground and you picking her up and mm. running her through the fancy restaurant with shit absolutely everywhere. Um, people were like, oh, that is pretty gross. But if a, they saw a bloke doing that, they'd be like, wow, that's gross. But what a great dad. There would mm. not have been a narrative around you being a great mum. No, fact, it would be the opposite. Would, They'd be yeah. like, "You are why are you such a disorganised kind yeah. of um, inept mum? And that's mm. how, you know, in, in the moment, that's definitely how I felt. And I was deliberately not making eye contact with anybody um, except for a very kind woman who came up to me and was like, I think you need these and gave me a, um, a little bag of uh, baby wipes and I'm forever grateful for that kind woman. But also a man wouldn't do that. <laughs> A man wouldn't come find me with baby wipes. I don't, I don't know. I found it really frustrating to to for for um to have the comments received. And the other thing that I noticed is that our male followers, you know, we get data from Instagram, didn't really like, comment or share on that one. And I, I don't know whether it's just that it didn't resonate with them or whether they didn't see themselves in it either. I don't know. But there was a, definitely a gender divide in um, people's responses to it. And if you are, um, if uh, I want, maybe the listeners can, you guys can reflect on what it's like for you or what mm. your reaction is when you see, you know, gendered parenting. Mm. Uh, what does that, what, like when you see a, a, you know, like blokes love um, going for walks with their kids. Like Lucas will take Ari for a walk often in the morning uh, and he, it'll be like this, you know, um, hot dad kind of reaction for, from people like, oh, wow, what a caring, lovely good good man um and like he never i don't think he even realizes that he gets it but i'm sure he does he's like wow look at that guy with the baby bjorn or whatever and um i want to know whether you what people's reaction is personally when you see a dad taking a kid for a walk or when you see the mum taking a kid for a walk or whether you are a mum or a dad what's Mm. your what are the responses that you feel like you get Sorry, I've just, um, uh, just the kids in the background. It's a little bit. It's, um, it's lovely. It's really, really lovely to hear the the wildness in your life. But like, Bren, do you? Feel, I guess for me, it's really different because I'm a single parent, so I don't really get to see the side of of Wally being out and about with the kids. But like, do you ever feel like you get credit having three kids? No. So I went to. We went to the supermarket. Oh, some people. Sometimes people will say, "Wow, that's a lot of kids." But I went. Um, I went to. We went to the supermarket yesterday, and all of us, all five of us, and because um, we're a fun family, and we went, uh, as we we're leaving Woolies, um, I like Ari was in the trolley, and the girls were holding either side of the trolley, and I was all walking out and Lucas was you know a couple meters behind us reading the receipt or something and a man looked at me and the kids and then he walked over to Lucas and said wow you've got your hands full it's like no no that's it's it's literally me me that's got my hands full and he came from a nice place like he wasn't trying to you know disregard me and I didn't feel disregarded but I thought and I thought it was just such a no one was saying that to me (laughs) but if I was standing behind like texting and Lucas was had the, all the kids. There were def, I, I would assume there would be a different. No one would come over to me and say, "Wow, you've got your hands full." Like, oh no, no, I'm just texting Claire. <laughs> no big deal. Do it all the time. Um, do you, yeah, that's. Uh, I it, the, the frustrating thing, and the other thing I find this whole thing quite frustrating is that, like, I feel like we've been having this conversation for such a long time now, and I feel like there's just 
pockets where it will never be heard and and I you know like I, I definitely have people in my life where you know the there is a um there is a challenge with the you know the 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 distribution of labor and the relationship there there's lots of lots of relationships that's very very equal and then lots of single parents and so on but the broader social narrative just isn't changing and um it's just like you know why are we still protesting this shit this and we'll talk about that more when we talk about um talk about fourth wave feminism and how the movement is changing but yeah I'm, start, I'm starting off this new 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 um season bron feeling a bit bolshy feeling a bit feeling a bit annoyed which is good yeah. it's lovely i want to i want to let's let's talk about let's talk about what needs to get better yeah um heaps heaps hey heaps so mostly mostly i'm, I'm gonna go yeah i'm going on tours or not tour i'm going to adelaide fringe festival soon amazing for nine days it's a long time it's so supposed good. To be, it's supposed to be less but i got a few more gigs that and that has just made me change my flight so i'm going a bit earlier so i'm staying for nine days and i'm like amazing. oh my God, this is so exciting and i've had a number of people who have said well, what are you doing with the kids <laughs> like <laughs> well they've got another parent mm. but i know that if lucas went away for nine days no one would say to him no what one are you would doing ask with yeah the kids? no one would ask yeah so yeah. it's a few it's a it's a and, and there's a number of um parents that are you know, the comedians and a number of blokes, not heaps, but um, there doesn't seem to be lots of comedians that have kids that I kind of associate with. Um, mm. And but they, but the ones who are dads, they very rarely get asked about their kids. And I wonder if they wish that were they were. But I every single every single gig, I get asked about my kids, and that's fine. Like it doesn't upset me at all because. You know, I did spend most of the day working out how to keep them alive. And so if people disregarded that part of my life, I would still be like, wow, you really don't want to know anything about me because they are a huge part of my life. But I want, mm. I, that blokes don't, uh, what I've noticed, the dads don't often get asked about their kids. And I wonder if no. that makes them feel, how that makes them feel. Like, you know, I, do they want to? It, it's it's pretty easy for me to be like, oh, it's because they don't see themselves. as. But it, like maybe it is you know something that they want to be they want to talk about but it's a yeah that's a good point I mean we kind of expect that you know like the the that that children are kind of the side story in in men's lives but the you know the main feature in women's and um obviously we want to challenge that narrative but like the like to the alternative I I my children are not my world (laughs) They're not. I love them so much, obviously, and they're a really important part of my life, but they're not my world. And um, and I think that's a really controversial thing to say. You're not allowed to say that. Like, you know, to, you know, I, I there's heaps, like they are probably the most important thing in my life, but they're not everything. And, you know, my work and, you know, like I've got other passions that I really, really care about. And, I don't think that creating a hierarchy among things you love is particularly healthy and, you know, it's, it can be quite limiting as well, especially when they grow up and, and, and leave, which they inevitably will. And hopefully, oh God, as, you know, so. well, well-rounded, loved, you know, people who I will always love dearly, but I don't, I, like, it, it's, it's such an expected thing that a woman would say that and you, it, you would never expect a man to say it, nor would you criticize him if he didn't. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm actually really fascinated by the response that we might get from this. My children are not my world. Um, are your children uh, your no, world? I know. <laughs> uh, like they're, they're a huge part, obviously a huge part of it. I'm with them all the time. Mm. Uh, um, and I know I'm going to miss them so much when I go away, but I'm also really excited to, 
for my mm. life in Adelaide, like for what's mm. happening. Mm. And I could I could have taken time off comedy when Ari was born, like lot, but I took five weeks off, and that felt like enough. Mm. Like I've got other things going on. I'm not my kids. Like they're not me. Like we are mm. very different people. Um, but yeah, I think I know. I don't think I don't think anyone would be angry about that. My kids mm. are my life. I think that saying's done and dusted. I hope, I hope so. Stop saying it, guys. <laughs> stop saying it. But also, if they are, that's fine too. I mean, that's lovely. And I, I was talking to a friend about this the other day. We, we both work a lot, and we were talking about um, about how um, all the different things that can go wrong when you kill children when you're what's called an ambivalent parent. And so there's all this research about you know the impact of parenting on kids. And basically an ambivalent parent is a parent that um, is, is that is not necessarily very like they're not they're not totally focused on their kids. They're not always present. They're distracted. They are, you know, kind of there sometimes and not all the time. And there is, you know, there's a psychological impact on your kids of being that kind of parent like they um they have that they're impacted by your kind of lack of consistent presence. I don't know many parents who aren't an ambivalent parent, but we were agonizing about what the impact would be on our kids. You know, like, you know, there, there's um, research about, you know, how it affects their kind of socio-emotional development and, you know, their relationship with others and stuff. And, and, um, but I don't, I don't know how I could not be the parent that I am now, like attentive, really attentive sometimes, distracted sometimes, and just not there sometimes because I'm working. Um, and, but that all the research in the literature is, is so focused on how the ideal kind of the ideal parent and, you know, the ideal mother reading into it even more for a kid is one that's always around and always attentive. And there aren't really any kind of lifestyles or kind of arrangements where you can do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know how many people would want to do that. Mm. I can't, I can't, I can't relate to that. Uh, maybe there are actually there would be but I don't know how many I feel like that would definitely be a minority right yeah I hope yeah I, I don't know I don't know I'm I just know. I'm just striving to be good enough just good enough for my kids to be like you know emotionally sound and you know and and feel loved and have secure attachment and you know just good enough mm. <laughs> just trying to be good enough and you are good enough Claire god damn it oh I hope so of course you are <laughs> uh, and do you know what else is good enough what? Your idea of feminism. Mm. It is good enough for me, <laughs> but it is not good enough for other people. So talk to me about this article that we've been reading. All right. So there's an article out in Sydney Morning Herald today, which we really recommend, which is just talking about where we're at in feminism. So feminism has come in waves. It's, it's gen, gen, generally understood as coming in waves and we are coming up to the fourth wave of feminism. We all grew up in the third wave and there's been a lot written recently about um, how shit our, our wave was. So our wave was kind of about girl boss. It was about kind of Ally bringing Ali McBeal about yeah. bringing bringing women into the boardroom, about addressing kind of gender inequality in the workplace. It was about also about um, uh, it also had kind of the punk rock riot girls and the gorilla girls in it, which is which is quite cool. Which is all about you know they had, they had a more of a radical rejection of um, of kind of how women are seen in in our culture. Um, and sex also and sex in the city yeah um, but we also had the rise of intersectionality it's also about mm. how 
different types of oppression, things like, you know, race as well, um, intersect with one another. And so, for example, if you have, um, you know, if you're a black woman and you're, and you have different, different, um, types of oppression that, that overlay on your life. The, lots of the criticisms of third stage feminism are that we were totally blind to the and actually encouraged and celebrated things like porn, things like the male gaze, um, things like kind of rampant sexuality. And um, we ignored um, a lot of the intersectional impacts of what we were doing. Like we still uplifted white women, right? Oh, yeah. And and um, really interestingly, um, Billie Eilish was talking about porn recently and um, and criticised kind of the, the feminism of our generation in that she was saying that she was she was brought up in a um in in a in a cycle of like a, in, a, in a, a social context where um where porn was everywhere and um porn was totally normalized and she started watching it when she was a really little kid and she says it destroyed her brain mm. and she said that it was so toxic and so harmful and um and she and um she she went into sex and relationship not really understanding how to be in it mm. and so um so it's, there's a lot, lot of criticism about the kind of feminism we grew up with um let's stop there what do you what do you think about kind of our generation's feminism Oh, it's pretty, yeah, it's very whitewashed and it is, mm. I think it, 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 they try to be, like all like waves, they try to really push back on certain things, but I don't think that they're, all of them were great. Like the Alan McBeal, for those who, oh, Alan McBeal was so popular and some mm. of you will remember it and some of you will not. Uh, it was just like a, it was, I guess, the female answer to, I don't know, like... Uh, Frasier or something, but it was not very mm. funny. It was just like, why? <laughs> but it was bad. <laughs> it was bad, but but everyone loved it because it seemed like new and fresh, and it was like this like model, like it's like a very very thin white woman who uh, worked in an office. She was a lawyer, right? Mm. Yeah, and then mm. something like that. And they and then there were all of and then there was a bunch of white guys in there too. I think there was one black lady, God bless her. And then there was um and then they had unisex toilets, so that was like to show, oh yes, it's see how equal we are. Like we don't even care about wing and different toilets and so it was like okay like I kind of see what you mean but mm-hmm. it's not exactly right because she was still very sexualized and she, mm-hmm. all of the women on there were still very sexualized and ad- admiration that she got from men was often quite like surprised at how clever and witty and um mm-hmm. like savvy she was mm-hmm. and so whilst it was still it was like yes look how smart she is the response was wow this is interesting this person's so uniquely clever it's like, well, no, she just knows how to do her job um mm. so and then and then obviously we've do we we poked heaps of holes in sex and city last week um but where we're at now so i think what's interesting now is where it's gone so obviously we can criticize um the, the third wave very easily but uh the fourth wave that we're experiencing now where we've got you know we're celebrating beyonce and we're celebrating um the you know kim kardashian is one mm. of the probably the most skewed ones where she keeps uh she will, keep, will post something that will be like a picture of her mostly nude Mm. Um, and it will say behind her empowerment mm. and uh, and then you know she'll have a million hashtags about you know like you know uh women women unite and whatever the hell they are and it's all about you know look how powerful i am by myself and i'm you know self-made and all of these things that we're supposed to celebrate within feminism but she this kind of this the male gaze is still 
enormously important and mm. pe- perhaps even more important than ever. And mm. and so we that we have these younger feminists coming to the front and they're going, yes, I'm the same. Like I am, that I don't care what people think. I am going to get plastic surgery because it's what I want. It's not because for the male gaze. But, you know, when you scratch the surface a bit, what is it for like why are you doing that and so i i think that whilst we we feel like we're getting more clever because we've got so many more outlets we've got social media absolutely everywhere telling us what to believe and what to think and um you know showing us powerful women like grace tame like we have lots of access to all of her photos and like what she's doing Brittany higgins all this stuff is very readily available to us however we also have quite like uh, like an influx of maybe misinformation or kind mm. of stuff that I'd, I don't know if it actually adds to our cause very much, <laughs> you know? No, <laughs> I do know. I think you've made such an important point about sex positivity and um, how basically what we've ended up with because of sex positivity is a form of sex and a form of sexuality, which is all around male pleasure, right? Like, look about, look at sex positivity. It's like, yeah, we can really enjoy sex. You can do whatever you want, um, but it's 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 the question that wasn't there is, do you want to have it? Um, how sh- you know? Do you like it? Um, what does good sex mean to you? It's just, it's like the message was, you can be hot and have sex. <laughs> And so, and the and then you get you end up with an archetype like Kim Kardashian, and you end up with a generation of women who, um, who, um, who, who have had some really awful experiences, which have lacked consent, and have had experiences of you know of, of just not enjoying the pleasure, but feeling like they have you know they need to they need to participate in it in a way that speaks to you know their feminism and their desirability so there was a there was um there was some research carried out recently um in um by group in in britain called we can't consent to this and um a third of british women under 40 have experienced unwanted slapping hitting choking gagging and spitting in bed a third I've experienced it a hundred on multiple occasions, like having men do things to me in sex that I did not want. Like, and then, then because porn is so normalized and it's accepted by everybody. I mean, I watch it sometimes. I always feel ashamed after I watch it because I know it's so bad in terms of like the, the lens that it puts on women. And, um, uh, but, um, it's just it's violent if it's uh, and but you feel like a prude if you don't want to have that type of sex or if you get upset by that type of sex it's just it's it's so normal and so i mean sex positive feminism is is a really complicit part of where women are now when it comes to sex and their relation with their bodies and each Mm. other because like i guess one one thing to feel to feel sexy is to be perceived as sexy you know that i feel mm-hmm. like it, so it, and it, that perception does it come from within you or does it come from the male gaze or like or social i guess acceptance of how you look and how you feel mm-hmm. so um you know beyonce and uh kim kardashian very different people i'm not so i'm not lumping them in the same group for everything mm-hmm. but what they you know they're they are so so beautiful and so, and um you know they preach feminism a lot but mm. they're like they're, they're lovers, uh, you know, Jay-Z and Kanye and now Kim Kardashian has Pete Davidson or whoever that guy is. Um, they're always kind of very close by, whereas mm. uh, so this, this like their desire, like how they're desired is very obvious 
because there's always someone right there being like, wow, mm. you are super beautiful. Like, I, I know that um, Beyonce, like, so this really great, uh, uh, what's her name? A uh, comedian, I, I forgot the word. Uh, she, uh, her name, Jade Adams. She's a British comedian. Mm. She's so funny and so clever. And she did a special called, I think it was called like Black Turtleneck, mm. where she was like, she was talking about how comedy these, comedy's changed and we now have to talk about something serious. Otherwise, it's not... It's not stand up anymore. You have to talk about, you know, it has to be funny, but also has to have this really powerful message. And she wasn't, she was kind of making fun of that a bit, but at the same time, she did it as well, where she was saying, I, cause I, she's uh, like a bigger lady, and she was saying, everyone was talking about how amazing Beyonce is, and she went to one of her shows because she was like, I need to feel empowered as a woman, and everyone talks about Beyonce as being powerful. And then she came out in like, um, you know, like a tiny little, bikini and um then there was like a i think kanye west walked her on stage or something like that not kanye huh. west her husband jay-z was like there for something and then it had behind her the word feminism and then everyone screamed like she said everyone was like squealing mm. and she was like and she said immediately she was like i do not i do not relate to this this is mm. just you've just taken a word that is supposed to be powerful and applied it to things that I don't find empowering. And that is all you have to do to be a feminist, you know? So huh, just like sell the word and sell yeah. the sexuality behind it. And like, there, you know, it's, it's a really, it's, it's always uncomfortable when a white woman kind of comments on a, on a black woman and her success. But I think, I think one thing that she's picked up, which is so important, is the commercialization of feminism, right? Yeah. Like it's a, it's a, it's a saleable trope. It's something that we kind of, we put up and we, 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 we profit from like organizations are like, oh, look how feminist we are. Like, and, and it's really gross. I mean, and, and this is the thing, like you can, you can set, you can, you can buy it, you can sell it. And that, that, that is I guess walks us into our conversation about four-stage feminism, the new feminism, which is kind of of the Grace Thames and Brittany Higgins and fucking iconic. Like I love, so whenever I feel like a little bit disempowered or a little bit upset, I've been looking at the photo of Grace Thames next to Scott Morrison, yeah. like just looking like, fuck you, man. And people got furious, especially kind of the second wave generation. They're like, how dare you not be polite? How dare you not respect the position of power in the place that you're in? Which obviously we, we wholeheartedly reject. But what I really love about this new brand of feminism is that it's not about individuals. It's about systems and power structures where kind of the fem feminism, which we were, we were raised on was like, you can, you can still be successful and you can do everything and you can feel good. And you, 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 this new wave is about, okay, let's look at the systems of oppression and let's have a particular focus on interse intersectionality and how, you know, non-white feminism and ideas from these spaces continue to be oppressed. And it's also looking at kind of trans rights as well. And this has been, you know, feminism recently has been really a really dangerous place for trans women and people who don't see themselves in the gender binary. So, like, for example... We had the rise of the TERF, which is a trans-exclusive radical feminist, and people like J.K. Rowling have destroyed their, you know, Jermaine destroyed not, Cree. yeah, Jermaine Creed. They've destroyed their reputation with kind of modern young women, and you know, and um, and other other people who who are in with the cause because they um they reject the idea that a trans woman could be a woman. They're very hostile, and when it comes to the idea that you know we should include anybody else apart from 
biological women in their spaces and we i mean this is just one example of seeing the divide i think another way another real a real divide that will come out is sex positivity and is like the the idea of like i can be hot i can be hot and a feminist like yes of course those things aren't mutually exclusive but also like an acceptance that if you are kind of selling a really a, a version of yourself that's based on the male gaze that's based on sexuality that there is an impact a systemic impact to that and that you have to acknowledge it i mean it's it's, it's about stepping away from the ind- individual and into the system and there's a real tension in it between you know between the different generations um i think i would much prefer to be placed in fourth wave feminism I'm, I'm seeing a lot of issues with the third wave i think i'm really excited i think this is the new way the new way of running so why don't you pretend that you're 18 again and just start again <laughs> i just start again i made a good idea well Jack, congratulations what do you thank think you of your 19th so birthday? much oh my god so have cool. more kids that is such a good start again one of them is covered in shit and we're all running yeah and i think uh, do you know what uh, and and then we'll move on but i do do think uh it's really fascinating when uh feminists question feminism you know Mm. i think that people who hate feminists you know there's and there's a lot of people who hate feminists Mm. uh they really relish in any kind of flicker of doubt within feminism Mm. they're like well Mm. you see you don't even know what it is oh see you don't even believe the whole thing I was, um, and I don't think we have to have all the answers. And no. I don't think we have to know exactly how we feel about everything. And nor everything. should we. Like, yeah. you know, it's actually quite dangerous to say I've got, I've got the answer to everything because it's actually, you don't, you hundred dollars don't. Yeah. So um, there was this bloke who I was speaking to the other day when our friend, my friend Lawrence came up to visit and he is a, a excellent proud gay man and uh, a guy who is straight white guy up here. Um, he said, oh, there's a, trans person uh were doing they were doing something about in their workplace about um being you know uh, inclusive inclusivity he was saying oh if the trans person's call that are they called this or this and he was referring to one of the terms and we said are they transgender or transgendered and it was just like an absolute finicky it doesn't it we and we were like oh i think it's it's, it's just transgender and mm. he and he was like ah See, that's where, and I'm not actually sure even this was the right, this could be a completely wrong thing, but he was like, see, I said it's not that, and actually it's grammatically incorrect, and so why are you saying that? So you take it on, and he he said to us, see, you guys aren't even 100% sure, because I am a feminist woman. Like like it's a gotcha moment. Yeah, yeah, it was. And and Lawrence, who's a gay man, he was like, no, I'm, I'm actually not entirely sure why it is that. I'm sure it was transgender and transgendered. I'm not sure why it is that, but it just is. It's just what that. It's just what is accepted. And you don't get to define that for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and we're like, it literally doesn't apply to us at all. But we're just listening to what uh, the right thing to do is, and we're not challenging it. We're not. We're not like, well, it's grammatically incorrect, and so. Oh my god! It's such a dick. What a yeah. dick! I, was, I just. But this so is so funny. Is like, a, he's like, I gotcha. Like, I've, I've yeah. ruined. I've, I've got you, and I've ruined feminism. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's not just... real. Yeah, so, so I feel bizarre. like that when there is a like, so I know that Clementine Ford has had to have to argue with a lot of people. About 
about this because she's she's incredible at with at makeup. She does a um, beautiful beautiful uh, makeup. She would have studied for ages. She would have spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on this amazing makeup. Her photos are always really spectacular and beautiful. And I know that a, a number of people have come for her, being like, "Why do you care? Why do you wear makeup? Aren't you supposed to be a feminist?" Mm. And so, it, and again, that's just like that gotcha moment. It's like, ah, oh, well, it's not. <laughs> So the, my feminism might be a little bit different to what your feminism is. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that neither of us are feminists or only no. one of us is. But so I, I think it's also, I, I don't know, I think it's, it's, re- it's this really interesting question. Like if my feminism looks different to your feminism, should we challenge each other? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's a really tricky question. Like I I think the makeup one is kind of a very, um, it's a very gentle version of like the broader issue, right? Like you, like it's, it's something which is really neither here nor there, but, um, in in my opinion anyway, but like, you know, if somebody, you know, if, if somebody identifies as a feminist and has, you know, for example, has a view or an ideology that ignores the experiences of people who have other forms of oppression, um, like I think, I think maybe we should challenge it. We should, we should bring people along, but I don't know. Like it's, it's, I think, I think the, 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 the voices will happen a lot. I think there's going to be some really, really challenging things that come out of this transition and people of our generation being quite defensive and protective of what they did. Right. Cause it's really, really hard to reflect and go, Oh shit, maybe I was part of the problem. Yeah. And we're always growing and we're always learning. And that's just mm. our, that's just our responsibility. Mm, you know we're not mm. we're not always desperate to be right we're desperate to just be better right <laughs> yeah no I just want to be right and better than yeah, everyone well that's really hard because <laughs> the kids covered in shit and that's all colors are wrong all right to finish off we're talking about and this is the reason why we're talking about priorities is because we kind of put good sheilas on the back burner for a while there we I, did we and, did I, yeah and we talked about this when we were in when we were together a good sheila's for me personally, is um, it's mostly just chatting to you because it is. I don't, yeah. I don't ever see people here listen to it. I hear about people like people who I really don't expect to listen to it will come to me and say, oh, "I loved the latest episode." I'm like, "What did you actually listen to it?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Does anyone listen to this? Yeah, I'm like, "Oh, this is insane." So for me, it's just a chat with you, and then I do yeah. that all the time. Like I chat with you all the time, so it doesn't feel like I'm I'm you know that I'm not not doing it like I I feel like it's always there for me um but then when you know when life got busy and we didn't have or neither of us could find an hour to put Mm. it together I didn't feel like I was you know because you were still I text you every day didn't feel like you weren't there anymore or anything Mm. like that um but you said to me it's one of the most successful things that we have done ever, like individually as well, um, we really should be, and it's something that we love doing. Why? Why do we put other things before it? And yeah, it's it's, it's such a good point. I think that it's it your is point. Really, and obviously, oh yeah, it's I made such a good point. You're really Fuck, sorry. I made good. I am fourth wave <laughs> feminism. It's me. Well done, Jamaica. Yes, hello. Oh shit! Um, it's I made an excellent point when I said those things. Um, no, it's 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 funny. We're such we're such bad um bad friends to ourselves, aren't we? We didn't. Mm. We're such bad friends to ourselves. And this is a really good example of like you know Melbourne came out of lockdown at the end of last year. I kind of had a bit of a tumultuous 
personal period and I was kind of just coming back into myself and really enjoying it and I was like you know I, I put other things before good Sheila's like I did all the time and um it was a lot easier to put heaps of focus in it when I was like locked down right like because I had all this spare time and then I then I didn't and it was just bloody like it was just glorious to be back in the world but um uh I, we were reflecting on why do we make such bad decisions? Why do we, why do we, like, we have, you know, a spare day, which is so rare. And we're and like, I'm going to do this and this and this, like, you know, I'm going to make some art and I'm going to go for a run and I'm going to, like, clean up my f- house. And, and then you end up, like, you know, plopped on the couch watching telly and eating a burger, which is yeah. fine. But why are we so, like, I mean, that's, you know, that's an extreme decision, but why do we make so many decisions when we know they're not going to make us feel good, when they're no, when they're no, we know that they're practically not our priorities? Why do we go to, like, immediate gratification and sloth? And, and I, use the, I use the word sloth, so, you know, obviously rest is really, really important. We all need rest. But it's, it's just about, you know, like making choices in the day-to-day which are actually don't don't progress our progress us at all, rest or well, rest right. otherwise. I remember having an argument with you once and I was talk, we were talking about self-care and mm. I was saying I don't, I don't think it's necessarily self-care to, you know, to do that veg-out day because I never feel better at the end of it. Like I'm always like I feel like a flat if I have a veg out day I feel flat and I feel kind of a bit guilty and I feel mm. like a, but if I have a really productive day I might feel a bit tired at the end but I feel like I'm progressing in something you know that there is a, a feels like there's a reward for that whereas and, and this might have been the chapter where you were addicted to uh Gilmore Girls and I think you I love Gilmore all, Girls yeah you watched all like 19 <laughs> episodes in I don't know two weeks or something 19 how dare you there were about 60 I mean 19 seasons and then and you just and you were like no no this is what's making me feel better and I'm not and I don't deny that but for me that is not self-care for me that's not Mm. that that, and eating yuck food like not yuck delicious food eating food that's going to make me feel yucky at the end and then watching you know 15 episodes then getting up and then seeing all the things that I probably should have done that day that I, I don't feel great at the end of that um, mm. So I don't, I don't. I think we like, self care is individual, right? You can't. Some mm. people are like, no, that's what I need, and great. But I don't think it's what everyone needs. You can't tell. No, it's different for everybody. Like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think when I, when I when I reflect on it, sometimes my what I would have said is self care is actually quite self destructive. Like I think yeah. that like I'm gonna eat something that's gonna make me feel like shit. I'm gonna have a bunch of drinks, even though I know I feel I'll have a two day hangover because I'm old now. Like it's mm. it's it, you're right. It, but self care, I mean, it more broadly making good decisions for ourselves and um and make you know doing doing things that maintain us is actually really hard mm. and so we were looking into the research about why about why we we make the priorities and, and what 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 makes us feel good in the short term what makes us feel good in the long term and what we end up doing so so we you know how many decisions we make every hour Bron? i believe it's two thousand isn't that nuts? Like, nuts. And you think you think about it, like, it's as minor as what cup am I going to choose? And, like, you know, like, what undies am I going to put on? And, you know, like, those tiny little micro decisions. And it has a real impact on, um, on our, 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 our fatigue. So there's a really famous study um, which came out back in 2011 about judges and prisoners on parole. And so they were looking at judges and, you know, prisoners would come forward and say, you know, put in their request for, for 
through an, you know, an application for parole. And as the day went on and as the judges got tighter and more crankier, particularly when their blood sugar dipped in the mid-afternoon, they were far less likely to grant a request for parole to a prisoner. So if you go in, a, in the morning, you're yeah. way more likely to get parole. That's just purely about the temperament and the judges and the capacity of the judges. And so yeah. these researchers... I can relate so, to that. Yeah, so we, we get we get tired of making choices as the day goes on and we're way more likely to make poorer choices that have empathy not just for others but for ourselves as the day gets longer. Yeah, okay. It's so interesting. Now, yeah, and but that's because we, and like perhaps we've got worse at it because we now process five times more information a day than the per, a person living in the 1980s. Five times, Claire. Five what? times, that's nuts. Yeah, it's equivalent of 174 newspapers worth a day. I do not have time for that. I don't have time for that. And I'm not just, whoa, it's just so much information, isn't it? And our brains, our brains are just not, not, um, not up for it and and there's a there's a really amazing new book um called stolen focus and i've um listened i'm um listened to segments of it i'm really excited to finish it it's by a journalist called johan hari and um basically he's talking about the way information impacts now our ability to decide ability to make decisions um we can't we can't multitask for example it's a complete myth multitasking is not a thing and refocusing after doing something new is really really hard it takes a really really long time for our brain to jump from one thing and focus on another and that's why you're way more likely to make mistakes when you're trying to do multiple things at once and so this is a really really great quote which i want to read out by him think about anything you've ever achieved in your life whether it's setting up a business learning to play the guitar being a good parent that thing you are proud of required a huge amount of sustained focus and attention. And when attention and focus break down, and I think there's persuasive evidence they are breaking down, your ability to achieve your goals breaks down and your ability to solve your problems is significantly diminished. Yeah. And I was thinking about all the things that I'm, you know, relative, not good at, but like, you know, I'm adequate at. So, um, uh, you know, Handstands. like, you know. Handstands. Well, that's a good point. I've worked really hard on them from being well able not to do them. Or like playing guitar, all those things just took focus and attention mm. and my life just can't really facilitate that anymore and so our brains are really 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 busy and there's so much going on so we find it really hard being distracted being kind of bombarded with different information in a really busy world to make good decisions mm. um there's another one which i'm really interested um about uh, for you bron and getting your perspective on this one um uh is is that um we we make poor decisions when we're emotional so um when we're feeling sad when we're feeling low our brain is like i need dopamine i need dopamine like and dopamine is really easy to come by you know like you get a pizza delivered to your door and your brain's like yes whereas if you go for a jog um you're gonna get um you're gonna get um you know it in a delayed way do you make bad decisions to get your dopamine hit yeah classic all the time Oh, in the afternoon when I'm feeling stressed or whatever, instead of going, all right, guys, put your skates on and we'll go to the, you know, nipple courts and we get out of the house and the kids, it's less loud outside, all of these things, I will just pour myself a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. And I know that is not as good as doing the other thing, but it's just unfathomable at the end of the day to pile Ari in the pram, to tie up the girl's laces. And Mm. and also, like, I I genuinely just don't want to do that sometimes. Actually, mm. all the time I don't want to do that, but I do it sometimes because I'm a fucking amazing mum. Um, but, but, 
but like I like I like I would rather just so oh you know I know that I have to do you know write this part of my comedy thing coming up, but I'm quite you know I'm nervous about writing something that's not good, and so I will instead of like being willing to fail, I will go onto Instagram and look at people that I haven't t- talked to ever in my life and um, be like, wow, this is really great use of my time. And I'll sabotage, like I'll absolutely self-sabotage the situation and then I'll feel bad at the end. And then I'll have that, that narrative going in my, you know, that the voice in my brain going, but you deserve to have a little time out. It's self-care and it's not self-care. Like that is not what I did then. It was not self-care to do that. And it's, but I don't, I don't know in that moment how to not do that. <laughs> like I've got so many books that I want to read, so many but I will definitely watch a show that I don't even really like that much at the end of the day because I'm tired of my brain doing things. Mm. Tired of it. Sick of it. It's doing things all the time. Yeah, sick to death of it and we want to switch it off, right? We want to yeah. switch it off. So with good sheilas, we know that this, we know that we benefit from this a lot. Mm. Whether people or anyone else does, doesn't matter. But it is, uh, but we, we love doing this. I love chatting about these things with you. I, some, I sometimes feel smarter, most of the time uh, less smarter <laughs> at the end. But, uh, but I do, like, I do love this stuff um, and I love chatting to you. And um, this is something that we are both quite proud of uh, about yeah, 80% of the time. Yeah, super proud. And then, and then I, so we are now, our, our goal is now to make space for it. So mm. every week we're going to do this. We used, we used to be so good at doing it every week. We it's were now, so professional. Yeah. Now we're slack. Yeah, it's self care and uh, it, to do this. This is yes, this is it is. That's right. It's self care. It is because we love yeah. it and we love. I love doing. You know, I love researching it. I love what I learn. Kind of when we talk, when we go into, you know, like, and I just, it's just really lovely as well because we're, we're so busy and so frantic, and we have such different lives. Like carving out that time just to yeah. hang out with each other is really lovely too, mm. and we get to share it with a community of fellow dickheads. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Which is okay. so lovely. So good. Okay, my loves. Um, we have been good sheilas. We love you so much. We love you so much. Bye. Bye.